Let's go. I'm a What's up, Dog Nation? It is another Wednesday night show uh, here. Uh, I'm Jeff Sintel. This is the show called Before the Hedges, uh, where we try to talk recruiting each and every week on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitter. Uh, as you guys see from the headline, uh, this evening, we have a special guest, and we have an undecided recruit um, in the house today. That is Mikael Williams out of Hardaway High School. Mikael, how's it going tonight, man? It's been good. Thank you for having me. So, so guys, one of the reasons I normally we have a lot of, you know, committed folks on here, but I thought today's news was so big. And what we're going to talk about right off the jump is the uh, man, this this sounds like the never ending story to me. Uh, the dead period, which it was extended back to April 15th. News came out today. There were leaks earlier this afternoon with sources. And then the NCA put out an official release tweet that says, uh the dead period has now been extended another month and a half from April 15th to May 31st. So that would be June the 1st. So that would be uh, about a full 15 months since gentlemen, just like Mikel Williams here, who's got a big decision to make, uh, can start figuring out what he needs to do to make that decision. And I don't know if you guys, I wish I could have captured it, uh, a, a video or a screen grab when we started talking about it this pre-show Mikel, it just looked like maybe two 600-pounders that just double-teamed you, man, and just knocked you out of B-gap or something like that, man. You are you, – and it would take some 600-pounders maybe, but – and you were just – you're just you're just gut-punched by this right now, man. Mikel, yeah. what, what went through your mind? What was what was your natural reaction when you heard that there was going to be another delay today? Uh, when I first heard it, I was really upset. Oh, because I – you now does it mean you're just going to ahead and go ahead and go go through with it on on march the 5th march the 13th what it, what's your plans right right now uh yeah i might as well go ahead and go through it i ain't be able to visit no way so and no use to waste time mm. that's tough man did you ever think you're recruiting your 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 college recruiting i'm sure you're glad you're happy that it's blown up the way it has but did you ever did you ever feel like your hands were going to be tied tied like this no i never really imagined this Mikel, what's the biggest thing that it's preventing you from doing? You basically have a, a core of about five schools mm -hmm. that you're shortened from. Uh, that would be your five official visits if this was a, a normal recruiting cycle. Uh, what does this mean for you? What is the biggest puzzle that you're missing here, the biggest piece of the puzzle that you're missing here? The feel of the city and the feel of the campus itself. I'm missing that a lot because, like, I ain't never really outside of a game. I ain't never really, like, visited Georgia. I ain't never did a photo shoot, none of that, like, any of the other schools either. So it's a Kentucky. I make, I went out of Kentucky. But you've, you've basically visited just Kentucky as a hosted recruit, correct? Yeah. Man. And Kentucky, the, Mikhail has basically five schools, four or five schools that are in his top five. I guess we'll start with Kentucky because that was the last one you visited. And, man, that, that feels like you were in middle school when you, when you visited probably. But what do you remember – about that visit? Uh, I remember. I remember the photo shoot. That was, that was like the first thing we did when we got there. It had so many nice uniforms and helmets. I was like, oh, it surprised me at the end because I ain't never like seen too much stuff like that. It had like five, six helmets. And then we went and watched the practice. And I remember Coach Stewart and how he was getting onto him and how he coached him hard. That was what really stuck out to me. Kentucky is one of the schools that would be in the final group for Mikel. And basically, most people would wonder if they're a wild card or a dark horse, but they've really just been recruiting you well. That's basically the only way to put it, right? Yeah, they've been recruiting me real well. And, um, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Another school that's on your list, very high up on your list, is Southern Cal and the Trojans. I guess that's one that you really don't know much about without a visit. It's not like you can put some gas in the car and get out to California, huh? Nah, yeah, I can't really do that. That's like a two-day drive or something like that, something crazy like that. But, yeah, they were really high on my list just off relationships that I got with the coaches. By me and Coach Vic Soto uh, and Coach Armand, yeah, yeah, we were real close. And, like, every time we talk, it's not always about football. Like, sometimes we just chill and play the game. Like, Mikel yeah. is it's funny. He's got a funny story. He had a tweet a couple weeks back where he tweeted out that um, USC has the best recruiters in the country or the best recruiting staff in the country. Everybody was like, hmm, what, what, what's up with that? And I think there's a funny story with that. Can you tell everybody why you had to tweet that out? 
Oh no. Nah. <laughs> nah, I actually can't say that about that. I forgot it was part of the um yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, um, the other school that's on your list, another school that's on your list is a uh, uh, the hometown school that would be the University of Georgia. It's funny. You've told me a lot of times in the past that you weren't really feeling Georgia until you took a couple of visits. And then your game day visits way back in 2019 kind of kind of changed up your mind a little bit about how you view Georgia. Yeah. At first, like like most of my family used to love Georgia. I didn't be like I ain't really like it like that. And then I took the Murray State game, and it was live. I was like, it's Murray State, so imagine what it would be like. They play Alabama or Auburn. Then I went to a later game in the season, Texas A&M. That's when I met Coach Scott, um, and I was chilling I was chilling with Coach McGee before the game, and we was eating, we was eating and stuff. And then we went to the game. It was raining, but it was like everybody had their ponchos. It was like the fans, like it was crazy. The atmosphere was crazy. And, you actually went to a couple of games in your in your sophomore year. Is that right? Yeah, I did. What was the other game you went to? I went to Auburn versus Ole Miss, I believe. I went to a Troy game. I think it was Troy versus Arkansas State. I think that was it. How many Georgia games did you visit that year? Did you just visit the Murray State game? Was that the only one, or did you go to two? I went to two. Murray State and Texas well, A&M. Texas A&M. That was that horrible rainy day, right? Yeah, it was super rainy. I got sick after the game. <laughs> uh Mikhail, I guess you know you got a couple of more schools to that that are that are that are way up there for you. LSU was another school that you said was a school that's got your eye a little bit. What do you really like about the uh the Tigers? The relationship I got with Coach O and a and a new defensive line coach. Um I really didn't realize Coach O being all D line meters, like he's a really a D line coach, but he's the head coach at the same time. He been all D line meters and and he just being ID groups and it that means a lot. Mm. And then you you mentioned that if there's another school that's kind of, you know, kicking the tires or coming in real close, you thought that was Florida. Uh, Florida's another school that has a chance that you're giving them a good look. What's what's the reputation there? How's Florida doing a good job of recruiting you right now? Yeah, Florida, they, they are. They coming back, they coming back into effect. Um, remember, they used to be D-line U when they had um they, when they had all them players. I forgot names. I forgot names of them. They used to be D-line U like, like a couple years back. I don't know. Yeah, it's just them. Then in Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech would be another in-state school that's that's got your attention, right? What's the biggest thing about Georgia Tech that you like? Uh, the relationship I got with Coach Coleman and how he showed me how he can develop me and what I'll come to Georgia Tech and play. Mm. Miguel, which one of those schools do you think you still have the most yet left to learn about? Which one of those have you were you had the most questions about? Um, I'll say Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. And then, uh, Mikel, I guess the Georgia connection, that's Dell McGee. You told me a while back, I think last last fall during your season, that Coach McGee created a text thread that was basically dedicated to getting boys from Columbus to, to the University of Georgia. Coach McGee, everybody knows that's watching that he used to be a head coach in the Columbus area. What type of recruiter is he and what type of reputation does he have? Oh, in the city of Columbus, he got a great reputation, and then he was a great recruiter in that too. Like he recruited me real well, and he just we just don't talk about football. We talk about life stuff and how I'm developing. How do you feel about Trey Scott? How much is he involved in your recruitment, yeah. the defensive line coach at Georgia? Yeah, Coach Scott, that's my guy. He 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 always say keep it real, and that's what he do. Coach Scott, he real do it. Now, one of the things we want to talk about tonight, we want to keep. Mikel the whole, whole night long. He's got Madden games to win against somebody, I bet. But uh, we got to – I want to show you something. This is a really good dude, Chuck Smith. And Mikel told me he's been working with him since the end of his sophomore year. And this was one of those things where we're, we're going to have to go, you know, slow motion upon further review. It's his good buddy, Kristen Miller. They were involved in the get-off challenge, part two. And mm -hmm. uh, we got, we've got film of it. we got tape of it. Let's let everybody take a look at it first. And uh, tell, let us know what you think uh, afterward, Mikel. Yes, sir. Look. You sit there and you start watching them and you see the regular speed and then you see the slow motion speed. And then the slow motion speed is when everybody starts getting their little magnifying glasses out and they're trying to see what's going on with there. And, you know, upon further review, you keep running that thing back and, 
Ah, we won't call that a photo finish at least. What did, what did you see on the film, Mikel, that uh, you find very interesting about that result? Man, let me tell you what it is, man. I won. <laughs> I won. My hand. When you put it in slow-mo, you see my hand got there before his. So that crown should have been mine. It seems like you guys are so both good at getting off the ball that that might need to be like four or five yards back, maybe another extra couple of yards back because – what it is really is you guys both get up so fast and then you lean. And it yeah. and maybe it's a, a question of who's got longer arms, maybe in a, yeah, in a lot of these cases. A lot of times they would have turned them to. <laughs> yeah. And you got you guys have competed what? I think four times head to head now. And is it one's up yeah. in the air and then what, what there's nah, what? It, um, we competed three times. In my book, it's two to one. It really should be, <laughs> you know, but it's two to one. You know, Kristen is a unique, joyful dude. I, 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 it's funny. You're smiling. I'm smiling as we're talking about him. What is it about that guy that makes him just a, a good guy to compete against? I don't know, man. It's just be the energy. His energy is always up there. That we be telling, he was saying that to me and Tyree, like his energy is unmatched. He is. And then I guess you hear a lot from Tyree West. That's the Georgia defensive tackle commitment. How long is – how long has he been talking to you? If you had to rate him as a recruiter, what kind of job is Tyree West right now? What kind of job is he doing? He's about like a, about, about an eight, seven, eight, <laughs> nine. What's he, what does he tell you? What's his big thing? Who going to score on this? He said, he said it all the time. If I come to Georgia, and then he got Bear at on nose and three set, you like, who going to score on this? I guess now your decision gets tougher because maybe you were thinking you had until – March 15th, March 13th, excuse me, get your five together. And now it's it's go time again, right? What are you going to need to do between uh, – it's less than a month, Mikael. What are you going to need to do between now and uh, March the 13th in order to get to the finish line on this day? Oh, it's March 15th, and um, I'm going to have to – I'm really going to have to go into greater detail looking at the schools and make sure I choose the right one that would benefit me. One thing I want everybody to know, it's March the 15th. And he just didn't pull that date out of the air. That was he's doing this to honor his father, John Johnson, on his birthday. Why'd you want to do that, Mikel? Uh it's a way of giving back for all, all the um lessons, life lessons he taught me. And it, it's funny, if 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 Mikel seems natural, calm, and composed here on the Zooms, it's because he probably does this more than anybody on Dog Nation does. And what I mean by that is he probably does four or five a week. And yeah. that's why you're so chill and calm. I mean. This this is sort of what your recruiting has been like, huh? And that's it's so unnatural, I bet. Yeah, it, it has. I do at least like at least three a week. Most time like four or five. How long do they usually last, Mikel? From anywhere between like twenty-five to like an hour. Is the best way to do it just playing a game with a coach? Or what's the best way to spend time and get to know these recruiters when you have to do it this way? Is there any is there any way that you like best? I like playing the game because cause I, I if we get real competitive, I like that. I like I like when you get competitive. Mm. Mikel Williams, guys, I, I just wanted to have him on tonight, number one, because he's a great, great young man. He's a great football player, a great representative of the state of Georgia. 17 sacks as a Hardaway Hawk a year ago. I think he had 69 tackles. He was a Max Preps junior All-American. Uh he is getting closer to his decision now, closer than he ever did. And I just wanted everybody to get a chance to talk to you and see see what you're going through, man, because uh, this was not good news for you today, man. But uh, <laughs> it, it, I tell you, these guys, I've got messages full of guys in my phone that are like, man, you know, for, for something called the dead period, this thing is somewhat immortal because yeah. this thing cannot be put down. It cannot be killed. That thing just keeps going and going and going and going and going. That's um, Mikel Williams, hey man, I appreciate you for your time. Mikel, good enough to join us tonight on Before the Hedges. We got a whole show to get to right now. Hey, buddy, thanks, Mikel. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. Isn't that good to get a chance to talk to Mikel Williams? He's going to make his decision now on March the 15th. I, hopefully, you guys had the ability to just kind of look in his eyes and see what he's going through right there with Man, the, the hardships about having trying to, you know, thinking he had a he had he had to wait it out until April, and then they kind of like Lucy and Charlie Brown and the Peanuts, and they keep moving that football. They keep moving that football again. Um, 
very, very, very tough uh, for lots of recruits uh, all across uh, all across uh, the state of Georgia and then the country and everything else like that. Um, as of right, guys, you, thanks to everyone for joining us on Facebook. Thanks to everybody for joining us on YouTube. That was Mikhail Williams. I'm Jeff Sintel. This is Before the Hedges. It's brought to you by Kroger. And now seems like the perfect time to take a break in our show for this week's special message from Kroger. We'll get back to the show in just a moment, but first, a quick word from Kroger. Kroger has made shopping for the groceries and household essential items that you need even easier by offering free pickup. Just shop online, choose a pickup time convenient for you, and Kroger will carefully pick out your order and bring it to your vehicle when you arrive. So the next time you're ready to shop at Kroger, take advantage of the free pickup. It's just another way that Kroger is fresh for everyone. All right, guys, we're back. Always good to hear from Brandon on Before the Hedges now that he's back from his uh, weekend getaway. But, you know, one of the things we, we I, I want to show you two videos from that late night get off pass rush challenge. That's with Chuck Smith. Um you guys saw the one there. Uh, I don't know if you guys got to see the entire one there with uh, Mikael Williams and Christian Miller, but I want you to see uh, Christian Miller, who who won the thing. He, he beat Mikael Williams in the semifinals and then went on to the finals. Uh, take a look right here. This is a couple minutes of, um, of Christian Miller. That's another guy said to make his decision on April the 4th. Um, check it out here on uh, Dog Nation and Before the Hedges. A late night get off pass rush challenge part two. Uh, Chris Miller out of Cedar Grove High School. We got my man Marcus Clark out of Hoover, uh, Alabama High School, dog. Hey, man, what, what you feel like the result's gonna be after this, dog? You should have called that. Hey, you're talking to me, Ronco. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Need a little Gatorade, hydration, H2O. Yeah. I ain't get it, but I still, I still kept fighting. I want to forget thanks to my mom and my daddy for trying to be out here. That's it. The late night rush part two, dog. Ending to it, dog. It's a great event, dog. But hey, right here, man, we got our runner-up, uh, Marcus Clark from Hoover High School in the Get Off Challenge, man. Great job, dog. Clap it up for Marcus. Clap it up for Marcus. Clap it up for Marcus. Right dog. Runner-up to Get Off Challenge. All right. We got Chris Miller. Out of Cedar Grove, man. Get off King, man. Get off King, man. Great job, dog. What you got to say, man? I want to say my kill. I called it. Maybe King. Yeah, what it is. All right, man. You're not that fast. Young man's get off. What kind of get off he got? Man, he had a great get off. He generates a lot of power getting off that inside foot. He's quick. He's explosive. He's tall. He's long. You know, he's the get-off champ, man, and that speaks volumes. But guess what? Late Night Rush 3 is coming. Sign up for it, and who's going to be the next get-off champ? Mm. Today is Chris. All right, guys, there you see it. You see that personality there from Kristen Miller out of Cedar Grove. He's another All-American um, from the state of Georgia. Very tight with guys like Tyree West and Mikel Williams. Uh, you guys got to see Mikael Williams at the beginning of our show. We discussed what it's like right now dealing with that NCAA dead period. Another extension dropped today where it moves it back from April 15th to at least uh, the end of May, May 31st. That's another month and a half. It's going to be 15 total months. Um, just a tough thing for those in the class of 2022, class of 2023 uh, and beyond. Uh, let me see. What other video? I think another video I wanted to show you right now is uh, 
This was a tweet from the Elite 11. That's the uh, entity that um, does such a wonderful job of promoting and uh, training and developing quarterbacks, national quarterbacks with their competitions through the opening uh, each and every year in a normal recruiting cycle. Uh, Trent Dilford is the longtime kind of head of that. Trent Dilford tweeted out his thoughts on all the Elite 11 quarterbacks, including Georgia signee Brock Vandegrift. Let's take a listen right here to what Trent Dilfer had to say. Hey, Georgia fans, I hope you like a football-playing dude as your quarterback because you got one in Brock Vandergriff out of Athens, Georgia. This is a kid that has a give-me-a-ball-let-me-kick-your-butt mentality. I don't care if you're playing checkers or football. He's an assassin-type competitor. Oh, by the way, he's loaded with juice. This kid has all the athletic traits you're looking for. He can play inside the pocket, out of the pocket. He's a gritty, determined winner. I love Brock Vandergriff. I love all that he brings to the table. He's a son of a coach. That's a good sign. And big things are coming to Georgia football with Brock Vandergriff as your quarterback. This is my Elite 11 quarterback break. There you go. You had uh, Trent Dilfer there dropping dimes. That's what he does about uh, the quarterbacks in every class. Uh, it's funny. He has had to evaluate so many guys. Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, Justin Fields, uh, Carson Beck. Uh, and then now uh, Brock Vandegrift in the class of 2021 over the years at the Elite 11s, uh, at least the Elite 11s, because there was not an opening last year, but there was an Elite 11 where Vandegrift got to compete. I think Vandegrift finished second or third in the country uh, by most everyone's account. Uh, at the minimum, uh, he, he did fare very well in the competition there. They held it up in Nashville uh, this time, the Elite 11, um, kind of right when the pandemic was really starting around April or May. Uh, had some legs around April or May. Uh, got a lot of videos. Let me see if I can go through some of our videos. We had a really cool uh, thing planned for our show today before the news dropped um, with uh, the NCAA dead period. And we had a chance to bring on a guy like Mikael Williams uh, to be a part of our show to kind of react to it. Um, one of our kind of our big, our big entrees for today's for tonight's board the, before the hedges was actually a chance to go through that incredible uh, assault that run through the 7A state championships. Uh, that was Dylan Fairchild repeating as the heavyweight state champion. He went through his whole senior year, guys. 22-0 uh, and record, 22 pins. Didn't go into the second period in any of his matches as a senior. Got a couple things. The first one I want to show you is I'm going to show you this tweet here. Uh, that's kind of where I, I, I kind of tweeted out and kind of said on social media that Dylan Fairchild went Dylan Flair child, as in a Ric Flair, Flair for the dramatic. Watch him right here. It takes him about 25 seconds. He gets his man down, his headgear, his ear guard flies off, and then he's flashing that cheesy smile uh, as a two-time repeat uh, state champion in Macon at the centerplex. Uh, after you see this, I think that's going to be a classic pose, the, the, the smile after he had his guy pinned, and then he comes up and he does the – you know, blows a kiss. Maybe we should start blowing kisses after every before the hedges show. I don't know. Uh, but then the other thing was we had is we were able to go <clears throat> get about six, eight, six to eight feet away from uh, Dylan Fairchild shortly after he defended his heavyweight state championship for West Forsyth, the Wolverines. Um, checked off that lifelong goal off his list. We had a chance to sit down and uh, or at least stand up and chat with Dylan Fairchild about that moment, what it meant to him to kind of just dominate everybody in Macon. Let's take a listen right here to Dylan Fairchild right after he won his 7A state title. A few crazy questions. Tell me about your, your, the side of your logo on your, on your, what's that about? Is that like the Joker? Is that like the happy face? Why is that? Why'd you choose that? That's, I don't even know. I was in eighth grade when I got these. These are, these are the OGs, man. I got this because I love this country and I got this because Brings out my wrestling brings out my evil side. So, so you have a that's been the eighth grader, right? That, yeah, that's been the whole the whole shoot match. You've been wearing that that right there, right? Yep, the whole time. Um, sir, I think you kept telling me assault. You right. must have hit every box on your plan. How did you? How did the match unfold according to your plan? I just kind of went out there and was like, you know, whatever he tries to throw at me. I mean, I was expecting maybe him to shoot. A low ankle or, or something, you know, right off the, the whistle, and so I was just kind of, you know, ready for anything. And then I just kind of went out there. I got an overhook. He had an underhook, and I just passed it off and got a straight jacket. And then I tripped him over, and 
I just had him in perfect hold right on his back. So, how many times have you used that finishing move? Is that a, is that a typical Fairchild special? Um, sometimes, yeah. When it, when, it, when the opportunity comes, definitely. I almost knocked myself out with it last year. But <laughs> it was, yeah. It's, it, when the opportunity comes, I love that straight jacket. So, is the second time better than the first time? How can you describe that? I'd say they're just as sweet, both of them. I mean, it never gets old, you know, winning the championship. So they're both, I mean, best feeling in the world. What's the moment? You go through it all. I mean, I noticed you were so happy for Ethan, man. That was almost oh, yeah. some of your biggest smiles of the day was watching him. Yeah. I mean, your, your buddy, that's your best friend. I mean, right. what was it like experiencing his first championship? It was awesome. I mean, it was just, you know, the cherry on top of both of them. I mean, we kind of just feed off each other, you know, and not just in wrestling, but in the weight room and everything else. So, you know, when he won, was, I knew it was my turn. So, What did you tell him? I know you just leaned in his ear before he wrestled. What did you tell him? I was like, bring it home. Let's bring it home. Now, at the end, I don't know if you – I went here when you won it last year, but you get a kiss to the crowd or something like that. What did yeah. you do? What, yeah. was that, what was that all about? It was the final goodbye. <laughs> that was the final goodbye. <laughs> is this the dream ending? I mean, you couldn't have written it any better, right? Right. Yeah, this was – this is what I wanted to do. I mean, I lost to Tamari my sophomore year, and I knew, I mean, after that loss, I was like, I don't want to lose anymore. You know, that was that was the biggest loss I think I've taken in my high school career. And, you know, I ended it with a perfect record, and I couldn't be more thankful, you know? So. Did you, did you know you had him when you got him down? Was it just a matter of inertia and mass? Did you think that was happening? Yeah, I mean, I knew once I get that straight jacket and I get the trip, once it's, if it's clean, then normally, I mean, it's, over wrapped up so you were remorseful you were a very nostalgic guy this week very reminiscent guy this week mm -hmm. now it's over yeah yeah i mean i was thinking before the match i was really you know i had my headphones on and just thinking and just looking up at the lights you know I'm, i've wrestled four years in this coliseum and it's um you know i kind of know like all the little secret locations to take a nap or you know all the good food here and so I don't know. It's just you know, it's it's um, it's like it's not really real. You know, it's not over yet. I don't think I even realized that I'm done wrestling. You know, like I'm completely done. So I was just I had a moment before the match and said, "This is all I have left." So make it make it last. What were you uh, listening to? Ain't no rest for the wicked. <laughs> wow! And that was the song, huh? That's right. Um, I guess when you drive through making when you're 30 and 40 years old, you're always going to be happy. This is a happy place for you, right? Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. I mean, every time I hear about the Coliseum or anything and say, oh, we're stayed out at the Coliseum, you're like, it's a good, it's a good memory. Dylan Fairchild, defending 7A state champion. I think you still only had about two and a half minutes of work this week uh, here in Macon. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Yes, sir. All right, guys, there you have it. Dylan Fairchild. Now, isn't that just a good dude? Uh, man, he, he's, a, he's a, you know, like we hear on Before the Hedges, if we're guilty of anything um, that's kind of not by the book or not, not so objective, I think we're guilty of giving a little bit too much personality and flair uh, to a lot of the offensive line and the defensive line. And that's just something we feel that we got to go a little bit harder in the paint at. We got to hunker down a little bit harder for is to just put the faces and the personalities together for all these interior linemen, these trench players, the big uglies on both sides of the ball. Because we know all that the skill guys, they get all the, uh, they get all the uh, love and attention and all the camera time and everything else like that. That's why we got to make sure we try to spread it around. Because I tell you what, some of, these, uh, some of those guys are probably just as charismatic and more fun to, fun to be around and to share their stories as any quarterback or uh, wide receiver or running back or anything else like that. All right, guys, this is before the hedges. That means we got a quick roll through of the normal staples, you know, kind of like your favorite Kroger grocery store. We just went to the meat department and got some um, prime rib filet mignon content with uh, Mikel Williams with a live interview to start off. And now then we went over down through the frozen food aisle and we got some really good stuff on uh, uh, Brock Vandegrift. We went to the produce section and we had some fresh content. Nobody's ever seen that before of a one-on-one -on -one interview uh, with with Dylan Fairchild right after he won his uh, right after he won his uh, state championship down in Macon. Now we got to go through the basics like the the sugar aisle, the cereal aisle, the bread aisle. This is what we do every week. These are our uh, commitments. Georgia now has the number two class 
uh, still is the number two class in the country for uh, 2022. You start off with Dayon Bowie, uh, the five-star. Uh, he committed to Georgia, I believe it was back in uh, late November, early December. Um, he committed to Georgia at that time. Uh, he committed, actually, it was on his to honor his mother on his birthday, but she was the five-star. Then you, he, he was, she was the five-star in his life that he wanted to dedicate his commitment day to her. Uh, Dayon Bowie is out of Bainbridge. That's where Nick Williams went to high school. That's where Kirby Smart played college, high school football as well. Um, and then uh, he's rated as an athlete, but he will be a cornerback in college. He wants to be a cornerback. He missed his entire uh, junior season with a knee injury. But so far, uh, during the early results and the early proceedings of 7-on-7 season, uh, Dayon Bowie has looked very strong. Uh, the next name on the list is Gunnar Stockton. That's that quarterback everybody knows about by now, that uh, his decision to choose Georgia has radically reshaped the arc and the future trajectory of the Georgia uh, 2022 recruiting cycle. Um, very, very, very important guy in this, in this class. You keep going on down the list of Georgia's uh, commitments, you're going to see names like um, – you're going to see names like uh, Tyree West – we spoke about him with uh, we spoke about him with uh, Mikael Williams earlier in our program. Uh, Tyree West is out of Tifton, uh, Tiff, Georgia. Got to see him. He also did very well in that Chuck Smith uh, late night get off challenge as well. Uh, he committed to Georgia back during his junior year as well. Very no nonsense guy. If you saw the story recently on DogNation.com, uh, we had stories of, from fresh stories with Mikael Williams. Um, we had uh, fresh stories with Mikael Williams. We had, um, um, excuse me, got a lot of a lot of things going on across my phone right now. But uh, fresh stories with Kristen Miller and also Tyree West. Uh, Tyree West is the third-rated uh, commitment for Georgia in the class. Number five defensive tackle, number forty-seven overall. Marquise Groves Killebrew out of Brookwood in Snellville. He's a Louisville native. He's a top 100 recruit. He was the first member of the 2022 class to commit. I think he committed back in um, April or May of uh, 2020. Uh, C.J. Washington, he's out of Cedartown, Georgia. Um, C.J. Washington uh, uh, really had a no-nonsense top three. It was LSU, Tennessee, and Georgia. He chose Georgia. That's the young man that worked out, uh, that still works out with Nick Chubb. He'll be an inside linebacker in Athens. You see Big Bear Alexander. I don't know if you saw Bear over social media over the last week with that wintry mix and those storms, that snow they got in his Denton, Texas area. He's been jogging around the neighborhood, jogging up and down the, the hills in his community, uh, wearing a Georgia G, red Georgia G. I think that guy loaded up with about a day's worth of Georgia gear because uh, I've seen at least five or seven different uh, wardrobe changes with him from his time when he got to Athens before he made his commitment. Uh, the other big name on the defensive line is Dar Darius Smith out of Appling County. That's a South Georgia Bulldog, 6'6", about 225. Great pass rusher out of Appling County. Uh, very, I always bring this up because I think it's very unique. His head coach at Appling County is Rick Tomberlin. That's the same guy that was the head coach for Terrence Edwards in high school at Washington County for the Golden Hawks when Terrence Edwards was a high school player as well. Uh, last name on your on the list right now, you got to see uh, him on a very recent edition of Before the Hedges. That's Donovan Westmoreland, pass rusher extraordinaire out of Griffin, Georgia. Um, great get off as well. That guy's got an explosive step uh, as well. Donovan Westmoreland uh, rounds out the eight guys for the class. Let's take a quick look now at our top targets. Top targets for this week. Uh, we're going to go uh, number 12 is A.J. Johnson out of out of Newman in New Orleans, Louisiana. That's the same uh, uh, high school where uh, Arch Manning competes and where the Manning brothers also played during their time as high school players. Number 11 is Kojo Antwi out of Lambert, Swanee, Georgia. That's another young man that um, really taking a hard look at Georgia after uh, the decision made by Gunnar Stockton. Uh, number 10 is Oscar Delp. Oscar Delp established his top 13 over the last couple of days. Georgia was comfortably in there in his top 13. Um, number nine is Traquan Feagans out of Oxford, Alabama. That's a guy that uh, out of Oxford, a six foot two and a half cornerback that has Georgia as his leader right now. Uh, number eight is Brendan Thompson out of Spearman, Texas. 
very fast young man. Uh, every bit as fast as Arian Smith, uh, current rising, uh, I guess you would still call him a redshirt freshman in this class. Uh, Arian Smith, the guy that's getting everybody excited these days about his potential for the 2021 season. Well, Brennan Thompson has clocked faster times than Arian Smith had in high school up to this same point of his recruitment uh, of his high school career. Number seven is Jeremiah Alexander uh, out of Thompson. He's a former Alabama uh, commitment. Jeremiah told me that uh, he decommitted from Alabama because he just didn't like the fact that it seemed like he was already an Alabama Crimson Tide at the point. He wanted to still be a high school player. He wanted to kind of slow down his recruiting process, even though that he was committed. Uh, number six is Daniel Martin out of Marietta, Marietta, Georgia. Uh, got lots of connections to Georgia relatives. Um, went to Georgia. He's related to Nicole Hardman, Nicole Hardman Jr. as well. Um, number six on our list. Number five is Branson Robinson out of Germantown in Madison, uh, Mississippi. Uh, Branson, um, Branson is a guy that, man, he is a dude, well-built, strong, was already squatting over 500 pounds before his junior season in, out in Mississippi. Definitely a name to watch in this class. Uh, number four, Jalen Walker. We wrote about him, uh, how he wants to be an orthodontist one day, uh, how he's been job shadowing. Uh, he's a dunk contest champion. He's the nation's number four outside linebacker. He has Georgia in its top six. He has a 4.0 GPA. He has a part-time job at Chick-fil-A while he's also doing job shadowing with um, uh, orthodontists and oral surgeons in his community. Really just really put together young man. Jalen Walker is the son of a college head coach um, as well uh, at Catawba College in Salisbury, North Carolina. Number three is Emmanuel Henderson. That's the five-star running back out of Geneva County in Hartford, Alabama. Uh, he is also a Bulldog. Uh, Emmanuel is kind of quite the basketball player. He's been ripping through the uh, area in a sub-area and region tournaments down there in his, his part of uh, South Alabama. Number two, you guys saw him earlier today. That's Mikael Williams out of Hardaway, Columbus, Georgia. He was wanting to do something with his commitment, maybe just the top five on, on March the 15th. Now it looks like with the extension of the dead period, he's going to go ahead and make his decision on March the 15th. He's going to do so to honor his father. And the number one guy on our top targets list again this week is Malachi Starks, the five-star athlete, the terrific five-star athlete out of Jefferson, Georgia. Um, some other names to know, we're going to roll through them. Uh, three-star cornerback James Lockdown Allen out of Lafayette, uh, Christian in, in Louisiana. Uh, really like this prospect. Um, another defensive back. Uh, next on our list is uh, he's an unrated quarter, cornerback, Marcus Allen out of Walton High in Marietta. Really good length, really good strong academics on and off the field for uh, Marcus Allen. Uh, Georgia is recruiting him, um, and he's – he has a younger brother. He's a younger brother. Um, his, his older brother, Derek, went to Michigan. He's since transferred to Georgia Tech. He has an older sister that was a recruiting hostess and worked in a recruiting office at Georgia for some time. Uh, she went to Georgia as well. So uh, Marcus has said both of those siblings just wanted him to make that decision on his own. Uh, Tyler Booker is a big offensive lineman out of IMG Academy. Emory Floyd. Uh, Jacob Hood, that's a new name I put up out of Hillsboro in Nashville, Tennessee for this week. Uh, Jacob's about six foot seven. He's a three star. Um, Jordan James is a four star running back out of Oakland and Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, four star running back. Uh, I believe he's at number nation's number 17 running back. I do feel Georgia would have a great shot with him as well. Addison Nichols, the Eagle Scout out of Greater Atlanta Christian. Uh, Sam McKay, uh, Brookwood. Uh, Sam is a talented All-American Bowl uh, selection out of Brookwood in Snellville. Uh, another name I wanted to add to the list this week is five-star inside linebacker Sean Murphy. He's the number one inside linebacker in the country out of Manassas, uh, Virginia. Um, Denylon Morissette, a teammate of Sam um, Bakay, uh, Sam Mbake out of uh, Brookwood in Snellville. Denylon was very much – uh, intrigued by what uh, Georgia was doing when they were able to add the commitment of Gunnar Stockton. Those two guys have been playing together since they were in the uh, seventh and eighth and ninth grade on all-star teams and FBU teams. Uh, Denylon is a guy that a lot of folks thought he was going to end up at Alabama. Um, considering Alabama signed four top 100 receivers, I think, and what the way Georgia's recruiting him now, I think it gives some of these other schools a better shot at Denylon Morissette. 
we uh, we also have Christian Miller on our list. He was the get off champion um, from uh, the Chuck Knight, Chuck Smith late night pass rush get off champion. Uh, really fun guy to be around. We had a story that went up last night on DogNation.com uh, regarding Christian Miller. Uh, Jake Pope is another safety. Plays baseball also at Buford. Uh, good speed, good size. Uh, his father actually played at Clemson. Uh, and then the final name on our list this week is Quayshawn Sapp out of Lee County. He is very tight with guys like Mikel Williams, uh, Tyree West, and um, also Christian Miller. Uh, Quayshawn Sapp, uh, recently, I think you saw on social media that he squatted uh, 600, uh, 585 pounds, I believe, in the weight room. Uh, quick graphic. I know everybody wants to know what we try to do is give you guys good timelines for prospects. Um, the five-star running back, Emmanuel Henderson. Um, that's the guy out of Alabama. We mentioned earlier in our top targets, he will make his decision on March the 13th. Mikael Williams will make his decision on March the 15th. You listened to him in that early interview earlier in our show, there was some back and forth there. Now Mikael lets it be known that, um, he is probably now trending to make his decision, his full college commitment decision back again on uh, March the 15th because there are no end in sight to this dead period. Christian Miller, he wants to make his decision on April the 4th for uh, basically as a, uh, as a way to show um, his reverence for his strong Christian faith. Christian Miller grew up in a Christian home. We had an update with him last night that went up on dognation.com. Georgia Tech, Indiana, Florida, Ohio State, and Georgia. Those are basically the top five there. He had a top four, but then when Ohio State offered, it became a top five. He got a couple of connections there to Ohio State. And then uh, May the 7th, the three-star safety, Emory Floyd. Um, Emory Floyd also uh, made his decision to uh, – he's going to make his decision on May the 7th. That's another guy that has incredible speed. Uh, some people call him uh, Flash, they, uh, Flash Floyd or Ferrari Floyd. Uh, you see him across his social media sometimes. Um, Georgia has kind of long time been the leader there for Emory Floyd as well. Um, quick little look at uh, recruiting breakdown right now. This class has eight guys. One of those guys is on offense. That is Gunnar Stockton. The other seven are on defense. Seven of those are in state. Big Bear Alexander is the only one out of state. And all eight of those guys currently for the nation's number two class are inside the uh, are inside the uh, SEC footprint. Um, craziness stuff's going on. We're, uh, you know, it's funny. I'm watching my phone for updates on a couple of things right now, but can't help but notice this is non uh, before the hedges Georgia football recruiting related. But um, it is incredible to see that the Padres signed Fernando Tatis Jr to a 14-year, $340 million contract. Now, I, I know the $340 million contract is just, number is just a staggering, staggering figure, but the 14-year contract, can you imagine anybody has a 14-year contract right now? Crazy. I don't even know if uh, the head of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, has a, uh, has an, uh, has a 14-year contract. I guess he has as long, lot of, uh, as long of a contract as he wants. A few other things I wanted to show you guys before we get to some questions. I hope you guys have some questions for me uh, as well. Uh, we would have taken a couple, if we had had some more time on our tight show, we would have taken a couple questions with Mikel, but uh, we try not to take questions with uh, a guest on before the hedges um, until they're, until they've made their college decision and they decided to choose Georgia. If they do decide to choose Georgia, I hope everybody's having a great uh, day there out there today. Um, let me see. I want to bring up this one. This is a, something that will be a story up on Dog Nation sooner rather than later. Um, this is a tweet from uh, A.J. Harris. A.J. Harris is a 2023 cornerback prospect, about 6'3 now, great length for a sophomore, about 180 pounds. He runs a 4'5". He's got a 3.5 core GPA. Um, tweeted out this offer, very meaningful offer. This is a guy you will read about who was going to camps um, Kirby smart camps was the, when he was in the seventh and eighth grade, very close to Pierce Sperling, the third in a, um, in the, uh, 2023 class as well. Pierce Sperling, the third is already committed to Georgia. Be very interesting to see what happens with AJ Harris. AJ Harris has told me that he wants to wait until after his junior season before he makes his college commitment, but 
now with that offer. And Oklahoma offered him early this year, earlier this week. A lot of other bigger schools have came in. I think Georgia will have a very strong shot <clears throat> with um, A.J. Harris going further, going forward um, with everything else. All right. That is a pretty meaty show so far. Let me see if you guys have any time, uh, any questions for me. Let me see if I can catch up on both feeds. All right. Um, Guatemala. Mike, hey man, how are you doing? Uh, Elite GB, JC is wanting to get a recommendation. Uh, Christian Miller, the cornbed killer. Uh, Tevin White, see some things for jo Tevin White right there. George has always been in the top six for Tevin White. Uh, I can't mention Tevin White, but without saying that. Um, I'm hearing the uh, sounds of R&B singer uh, Tevin Campbell during the 90s in my mind. Tevin Campbell, uh, Tevin Campbell out of uh, um, Virginia is uh, – he was named after Tevin Campbell. Uh, very interesting there. Um, I think if anybody was a fan of that genre of music like I was, uh, covering a player who was named after a running back, uh, versatile, six foot two highly skilled three down running back like Tevin White, knowing that he was named after Tevin Campbell was pretty interesting. Um, let's see, got guys talking about uh, Cody Ledoux making some appearance about Bama landing the top three in the state. That would be Curtis Perry, Emmanuel Henderson, and Jer Jer Jeremiah Alexander, two very, two five stars in there at least. Um, let me see. I think there is uh, Stacey Goble. Uh, yeah, I think Georgia is looking at another top three class for 2022. Uh, I think uh, Guatemala Mike, I do think that um, uh, Big Bear is going to be hard to pull away from the uh, state of Georgia, from the University of Georgia. Uh, he's been talking to he's been talking to guys like uh, guys like uh, Tyree West for quite some time. Uh, let me see. Uh, you know, the, one of the reasons with Tevin White is I don't know if, you know, it's kind of funny how the board sits. I don't, one of the things I try to do is not to give you guys too many names. And I, I think with the board and all the running backs there, I think there are a couple of guys that are, um, that are on that, that are on that board that would be a little bit higher up than Tevin White. I think there's a process to it all. Let me see. Facebook. Let me get some time to the OGs on Facebook, making sure everybody has uh, anybody has anything going on today. Any questions? Um, Chad Buchanan uh, Joe knows that Georgia needs at least two elite wide receivers in this class. It's a must. Uh, I, th I think I saw somebody wanting to know what, what the kind of numbers look like. Uh, I think it's one quarterback. Uh, I would see Georgia signing one quarterback. Obviously, that's going to be Gunnar Stockton. One tight end, uh, I think three receivers, at least three receivers. Um, let me see. One tackle, two offensive linemen. Uh, one of those two uh, hybrid offensive linemen would be a guard or a tackle hybrid. Don't see. I don't think Georgia needs to go after a center, a specific center in this class. I think they've built up enough depth there with guys like Cameron Kinney. Uh, and Austin Blasky, and then you've got Cedric Von Prime Granger and also Warren Erickson. They're going to be good at the center spot for the next, for at least this cycle. Uh, defensive linemen, they've got two uh, currently committed in Tyree West and Big Bear Alexander. I can see them trying to add up to three more defensive linemen. Uh, outside backers, Donovan Westmoreland. Um, and then you've got, um, then you've got uh, Darius Smith as an outside linebacker. I think Georgia would like to try to add at least two more, one more outside linebacker, depending on what a guy like Daniel Martin would be, whether it be an inside linebacker or an outside linebacker. I think Daniel Martin would be more of an effective edge player 
Uh, Georgia has commitments from Dayon Bowie and Marquise Groves Killebrew. I can see them adding at least one other safety prospect and one other cornerback prospect. I think they're going to try to add five. Uh, this would be the year where Georgia, I know Georgia just brought in a new punter as a preferred walk-on. I don't know if they're going to use the scholarship, even though Carmarta's scholarship's coming open, if he, he would also get a chance to have that bonus year from the 2022 cycle, from the 2020 season. Um, he would also have a chance to have that bonus year as well. But I can't see Georgia using a scholarship on a punter at this time since they just brought in one of the best punters in the country out of Cairo, Georgia. Uh, excuse me, Cairo, Georgia. Um, sometimes you're roll, rolling through all this information. So some people are wanting to know, like, kind of what it looks like right there. Um, big thing, though, you see right there is a lot of uh, Eric Patton agree with it. I, the one thing Georgia really didn't really do in the 2021 cycle is they didn't really get those elite game-breaker type receivers. And really, if you go to forum.dognation.com, I've kind of shared the thoughts about, to me, I think the biggest differences between Georgia and Alabama over the last three or four years, um, especially on the field and on the recruiting trail, is Georgia has not been able to add the level and to hit, I mean, absolutely crush uh, the priority wide receiver signings. Uh, you look at what Alabama has done in signing top 100 receivers, they signed more top 100 receivers this year in the 2021 cycle than they ever had before. And that's going to continue Alabama's greatness at the wide receiver position. I think Georgia, um, if they would have had the same capable and quality receivers as Alabama, I think that the arcs of each program would be a lot closer. Uh, that having been said, if you look past, now this is just a staggering number. I was doing some research for another story earlier this week. Um, in Alabama, when you talk about the last four cycles, the last four NFL drafts, now that's 2017, 18, 19, and 20. The last four, Alabama has had 22 players picked in the first two rounds of the draft. 22 players picked in the first two rounds. If you included the 2016 NFL draft, that's 29 players picked in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. I think Georgia's number is 13, uh, 15, if you go to go to all those extremes um, about uh, the type of signees and that and that the type of excuse me, the type of alums of the program uh, picks Bulldogs picked in the first or second round of the NFL draft. Folks, that number from uh, Alabama there, 29 over the last five NFL drafts in the first two round two rounds. That is astronomical. Uh, Jerry Popham, uh, good question, sir. When things get back to our perceived degree of normalcy, do I think it would help recruiting to get the UG UGA Florida game to a home and home? You know, so here's where I'm going to – here's I'm going to push back. What's that term where you try to nicely say I disagree with something? I'll just say that I don't perceive the Georgia-Florida series being a recruiting deficit for Georgia. If they put, if they put Georgia-Florida as a home and home, I think the main thing it would do is um, it, it would take away from the specialness and the uniqueness of the, of going down to the cocktail party in Jacksonville. I know South Georgia Bulldog fans and, you know, North Florida Bulldog fans love that game a lot. I know about the historical uh, brilliance of that game. I met my lovely wife down there. Uh, putting that one off to the side though, I don't think that argument holds weight for me because if they played Florida every other year, I don't think it would be any bigger than having a Notre Dame um, or a Clemson or Ohio State or a school like that come into Sanford Stadium. Uh, I think those home games would still be bigger because I don't it just doesn't happen um, on an annual basis. And I think that that is what makes that game special. You automatically lock in the CBS time slot. The players when well, that will be an ABC time slot, the players on each team look forward to the specialness of that game. Uh, I think it pulls it apart from every other big game that they play. For me, I get all this point, all this about, you know, you make it harder. My good friend Mike Griffith says you're trying to win a championship where I make things harder. Uh, I think everybody talks about the home game issue with the Georgia-Florida game because you have the complication of the neutral site game and then you have the state rival being an out-of-conference game. 
to me, uh, I would much rather see Georgia move the Georgia Tech game off the regular opponent's schedule, make that a rotated game, maybe every two or three years that the uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff classic in the state of Georgia at Mercedes-Benz Stadium could be Georgia versus Georgia Tech. I think that would be a great rekindling of that rivalry. I don't think those two schools need to play every year, uh, especially when Georgia has the complications with trying to get six and seven home games um, when they have a neutral site game as well. So my big push on the Georgia-Florida situation is not uh, Georgia and what that game costs them. Remember, folks, nobody had a problem when Georgia going down there and playing Florida uh, when Florida wasn't a top 10 or a top 15 team. It's just that, that Florida basically flipped the rivalry on its axis and started dominating the Bulldogs, and everybody started thinking about how hard it was to go down there and win. Uh, it wasn't that hard for Georgia to go down there and win the first three years of Kirby Smart's tenure, uh, especially when he had a full cadre of players going down there as well and a lot of weapons on offense uh, as well. I think my bigger argument is I think you should make the correction to the schedule and get uh, and, and do something to that Georgia-Georgia Tech game because that really serves no purposes for Georgia anymore as it does try to win championships. That game is the issue. And then in tandem with the Florida game where the neutral site game doesn't allow you to have the number of home games in every cycle, I think if you remove the Tech game, you make a lot of the issues a lot kind of kind of go poof and disappear with playing Georgia playing Florida every year in Jacksonville. Um, Joel Moody, I totally agree. You know, I'm, I'm sure people will sit there and say, if Kirby Smart thinks it needs to be a home and home, that's good enough. Uh, certainly, uh, certainly uh, would see why people it's, it's a thing to me that, um, and I don't expect it to be a popular opinion, but especially those years when, um, Georgia was having to prepare one game a year for that antiquated offense and how, um, you know, the way that the chop blocking of the triple option would kind of wreak havoc on a team that's trying to stay, stay healthy going into the SEC championship game was very counterproductive. I think you make Georgia versus Georgia Tech a better game when you take it out of the, the, the home and home situation where Georgia fans are, are filling, up the, filling up Bobby Dodd Stadium when it's their home game and Georgia fans are filling up their season ticket packages and buying their season ticket packages just so they can get the Georgia ticket. I don't think that's a true measure of being a rival on both feet. And if you make that game uh, a game in Atlanta at the Mercedes Benz stadium and you have it happen every two years or so, I think that game gets jacked up a lot better and it opens up a lot of things for um, everything going on. Chris Slim White. Um, I'm going to see if I can scroll back and I can find your uh, question. Chris, I got you. Can I explain why you don't feel our Georgia's defensive backs are good enough and we need transfer? And do you feel if we never let the players play, they will tra transfer out? Uh, okay. Um, let me see. I, I think Georgia's DBs are going to be uh, – going to be quite fine. I think, I think Georgia is probably missing one DB, which would be a veteran experienced DB. Uh, you look at what Georgia's going to have. They're going to have um, Keely Ringo, Jalen Kimber, uh, those type of guys, uh, Amir Speed, uh, those type of guys getting the first looks. Nyland Green's another guy that's going to get a look at cornerback as well. Uh, some of those guys have been in the Georgia program for several seasons. Uh, you, you look at I think Georgia will be just fine with Chris Smith and Lewis Seen back there in the secondary. Uh, I do like uh, the versatility that a guy like Javon Bullard and Kamari Lassiter also adds to this class. I think you just need one guy back there on one of the corners that has played a lot of ball and played a lot of big-time ball. I think, I think that's what you're missing. Um, I don't know. You know Georgia always, has always tried to have a veteran presence in its defensive backfield, and now it goes from having guys like Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, uh, Mark Webb, Richard LeCount, DJ Daniel, where they had an abundance of, of experience and veteran depth back there. And it's not just the, 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 the reps of playing in a big-time atmosphere over and over and over and playing in front of a big crowd. I think it's just that, met, that mature veteran body where you've got a 21-year-old man going against another alpha receiver that's also a junior, highly regarded number one receiver in SEC school. I think there's something to say that about the maturity level and the physicality needed to play that way. 
Um, and right now, Georgia's got a lot of guys that um, a lot of their best guys are still uh, one or two years outside of high school, especially at cornerback. Um, that's what I think will be very interesting. I also think that'll be very interesting to see what Georgia's depth chart situation looks like as a whole um, once uh, G Day is through and, and practices are over. One thing I wanted to kind of bring back around full circle about our dead period discussion is now with um, uh, the NCAA extending its dead period back to May the 31st, which would be June the 1st, of course, G-Day will be over by then. So if any recruits want to want to visit G-Day, they'll have to do that as a fan. And uh, the limited seating will also come into play as well. But for G-Day, there's normally not been a ticket price as well to get into G-Day as well. So it'll be very interesting to see how the University of Georgia handles that and how the recruits that really want to check out a Georgia game day atmosphere and see what the campus is like when it's full of um, a lot of fans on a, on a game weekend, it's going to be harder to get a good facsimile or a good representation of what everything is about with all that. All right, guys, I want to say thank you to everybody for joining us. Thank you again to Mikael Williams who joined us earlier in our program. Thanks to everybody. Hope you enjoyed some of the content today, whether it was the Dylan Fairchild interviews or the get off challenges from Chuck Smith's late night pass rush Academy sessions. Um, it's been my pleasure, my genuine pleasure and blessing to be able to bring it to you guys each and every, each and every Wednesday night. Check us out on Spotify. Check us out on SoundCloud. Check us out on the Apple podcast platform. Check us out, um, all across those social, uh, podcast, uh, devices and social podcast headquarters uh, to interact with us and connect with us that way. Um, for everybody here at Dog Nation, I want to say good evening. Thanks again for joining us all. And uh, we'll see everybody again on Before the Hedges. Uh, next week, we'll have Cover 4 Live coming tomorrow. And uh, once again, Before the Hedges has been brought to you by the good folks at Kroger. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on another Wednesday Let's night. Let's go. I'm a bulldog. So Georgia, who I'm picking? I love the family atmosphere and the way they handle business. Education is important. Trying to reach the next level. I want the best in life. I never settle.